Ladies and gentlemen, Porgs, Ewoks, Wookiees, we are back on Octo Radio. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode 8 of the show where we've got plenty of things to talk about here. It's been a little bit longer than I would have hoped uh, since the last episode. You know, life gets in the way, stuff comes up, work, schedules, personal stuff, family, friends, all that uh, does get in the way of talking Star Wars sometimes, but we always come back. We always come back to Star Wars, and every single time that it appears, I turn away for just a second, I come back, and news is popping up, different developments, both in production and story. When you're looking at the world of video games, lots of stuff has happened. You know, it's kind of funny, I mean, in that not funny way, I put out an episode, the last one, where I was doing some Fallen Order speculation based on the key art, you know, but I've been kind of separated from the world of video games for a long time. I used to be way more uh, involved uh, personally, you know, keeping up with news and stuff. And when I put it out, it did not even occur to me that we were just days away from all this Fallen Order news and coverage from Game Informer and E3 and the 13 or so minutes of gameplay and the Saw Gerrera reveal. And so we'll get into that later. We'll talk about uh, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga returning. We've got some stuff on uh, the Mandalorian coming up which I want to save for the last story because I think it's really uh, powerful and emotional and inspiring. So we'll get into that uh, related to uh, one of the new characters played by Gina Carano. Uh, but just to kick it off right here with news, I want to talk about the new Senior Vice President of Live Action Development and Production, Michelle Rejwan. She was the associate producer on Super 8 with our guy JJ. She co-produced Star Trek Into Darkness, co-produced The Force Awakens, and is now the producer of Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. So, obviously no slouch to the, uh, when it comes to the big budget world, when it comes to these ridiculously involved and expansive uh, schedules, the lots of, uh, of juggling. I'm sure she wears a thousand different hats in these productions, working with J.J. throughout her career here. Now that J.J., it appears, you know, based on all reports, is going to be landing over at Warner Brothers. It's interesting that she split off now at this point. Maybe it's a, a situation of of really loving this property and, and wanting to immerse herself more in it, which, of course, we should all be thankful for if that is the case. Or maybe it's a case of Kathleen Kennedy just saying, that's talent right there. That's money. That's somebody that I want on my team, and we should all want somebody with this experience on our team. You see it on the Internet right now. Does she have enough experience? Does she have the resume necessary to carry things forward? Well, this is kind of how you start. Associate and co-producer, producer of you know some of the biggest sequels of all time in the history of films. I mean, Kevin Feige didn't become Kevin Feige overnight. You know, I, I'm sure people laughed him out of the room when he was pitching the Marvel Cinematic Universe back in the mid 2000s. But now, you know, look at him. So, you know, if you're Kathleen Kennedy, you know, you want generals serving under you that are going to help carry the brand forward. I mean, you've already got Dave Filoni. Uh, and what I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, what I believe is the same role over on the animation side of things, you know, from from Clone Wars to Rebels Resistance. Uh, now he's dabbling in live action, but he still holds that title of overseeing. I'm sure we'll get more of that down the line. But with Rejwan here, uh, the live action development and production side, there's going to be a focus on Disney Plus, according to these reports, on the upcoming slate of films. I have no doubt that Michelle is having conversations with Benioff and Weiss about whatever it is their project will be with Ryan Johnson. 
you know, after he's done on post-production on his upcoming film, Knives Out, he's going to be coming back to the galaxy far, far away. So we're going to need more guiding hands. I think that with Kathleen Kennedy running the entire ship, you know, since George passed it to her, it, it, it might be not overwhelming because she is a super producer, but it's the kind of thing where you want to be able to groom uh, new blood. You want to be able to groom uh, powerhouse stars within your camp. You know, I could probably throw a sports metaphor out there, but it would probably be useless because I don't really uh, feel like making one up right now. I know nothing. I am the Jon Snow of sports, but I have seen lots of sports metaphors get thrown around. And it's true. You know, you, you want the generations and the aspect of Star Wars that is so cyclical uh, to also be built into the actual company of Lucasfilm. You want things to feel like we're always moving forward. We're always thinking ahead. Uh, something that has been lobbed as a criticism of the Kathleen Kennedy a Disney era so far is not planning ahead enough. So I definitely think that now after Rise of Skywalker, as we move into what is essentially the second phase of new Star Wars films uh, since 2015, there's going to be a lot of planning ahead. You know, I got this quote right here uh, from Kathleen Kennedy uh, from the uh, press release about Michelle Rejwan's uh, promotion. It says, working with Michelle over the last seven years as a producer on both The Force Awakens and now The Rise of Skywalker, I have seen firsthand her skills collaborating with writers and directors, and I've been incredibly impressed with her creative skills and her ability to manage the complexity surrounding these massive projects. There it is right there. I'm not going to argue with the person that took a similar path uh, starting under Spielberg. You know, there's something very beautifully poetic there with Kathleen Kennedy coming up as a young associate producer, assistant producer, you know, during that era of 80s Spielbergian goodness, moving all the way up uh, through the just legendary resume that she has now. And now for a J.J. producer, J.J. being such a Spielberg guy, to also move up into a senior role like this. Uh, it sounds perfect to me. I'm really excited about it. Hopefully uh, at Celebration Anaheim in 2020, next August, Michelle Rejwan is a part of it, embraced by the fans. I'm looking forward to seeing what she has to say about her Star Wars journey. And I think it would be awesome if they did some sort of future films panel like they did a couple years back when Lord and Miller were still attached to Solo and they brought uh, John Boyega out and Alden Ehrenreich. And so it would be cool to see Rejwan, Benioff Weiss, Ryan Johnson, maybe some uh, lead actors, whoever the core characters are going to be for some of these projects uh, and possibly even mixing TV and film together in a, in a future projects panel in general, no need to just limit it to film. I'm assuming that Mandalorian is going to be a rock and success. I mean, they've already reportedly got plans for a second season on Disney plus. So why not have Michelle Rejwan, Benioff Weiss and Pedro Pascal come out, you know, do something like that. So that'd be really exciting. The next thing that I want to talk about here uh, are the star Wars age of resistance comic books coming from Marvel we got some covers, we got some synopses, we have a lot of hype building for the last of the three acts of the Age of series. I've really enjoyed all of these from Republic now to Rebellion and then upcoming Resistance. We've got a Rose Tico issue coming out, Supreme Leader Snoke, Kylo Ren and Rey, of course, Poe and Finn, Phasma, Hux. I think I got everybody. If I didn't get everybody, you get it. It's the core good guys and core bad guys of the resistance era what am i really excited about for these comics well fleshing this era out i'm so hungry for more during the current sequel trilogy era because i enjoy the sequel films a lot 
The Last Jedi, in particular, is my second favorite Star Wars film out of all of them. However, I do understand the frustrations that some things may not have been fleshed out in the same way that we have experienced for the prequel era and the original trilogy era. But I would also caution people angry about that to remember a lot of those things got flushed out after those films were done. I'm hoping that once Rise of Skywalker is out there and it's sitting in pop culture, it's sitting in our minds, that we just get a flood over the next couple of years of books but in the 30-year gap between Jedi and Force Awakens. I'm hoping that we get novels that take place you know, in between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, which we are already getting one with Resistance Reborn later this year. These comics, though, will hopefully provide unique perspectives uh, to important scenes like some of the other ones have already done in the Age of series, particularly the Snoke one. I think that's the one that everybody is excited about the most. All of these covers by Phil Noto are gorgeous, by the way. If you haven't taken the deep dive into a Phil Noto Google search or his Instagram and just checked out his artwork, it's phenomenal stuff. But the Snoke cover with the trees in the background, you know, immediately... Uh, evocative of the Unetti trees on Octo, uh, you know, this show's favorite planet, or on um, Yavin, where Poe grew up with his parents, Kess and Charbet. There could be some force corruption going on there. Perhaps he has similar goals to Palpatine of, of taking these trees. I'm not sure what amount of backstory we'll get in this, but it will be the first solo singular Snoke uh, solo singular Snoke was hard to say. <laughs> it would be the first uh, uh, Snoke-only story that we get. At least I think it's Snoke-only. So getting inside that character's head is really exciting to me. And all these comics have been great. If you haven't checked it out at this point, you could always wait for a collected edition, of course. I'm sure there will be one big one. I know that they've done small ones with heroes, villains being separated because they got to get that cash. Always got to get that cash. You know, it is a company. But I would say definitely go back and check out the issues. Go back, decide who your favorite characters are and check them out. You know, I have my friend Matt, uh, who I talk about Star Wars with all the time. And he was hesitant about checking out some of these issues. I told him, dude, just check out the Qui-Gon one. And he loved the Qui-Gon one. And I'm pretty sure he ended up reading the rest of the um, Age of Republic era stuff. So that was exciting. And I'm excited to see how these conclude. But moving over into video games, as I uh, talked about up front, Fallen Order, a ton of news. I'm not going to get so far into it here just because I'm a little bit late on it. Uh, but the the coverage has been incredible. The details that we've gotten about uh, you know our character Cal, Cal Kestis uh, and, and BD-1, everybody's new favorite droid. Our new son, BD-1. Adorable, handy. You know, he's, he's not afraid to explore. Well, they have done such a good job in the new canon era of taking these droids in the tradition of 3PO, of R2, and really making them feel like they stand shoulder to shoulder, you know, between BB-8, of course, and K2SO and L337. These droids have all felt so perfectly Star Wars, and I think he was probably the aspect of Fallen Order that I was most excited about personally. I know he'll be uh, upgradable, or at least you'll be able to change the color on him, as well as Cal's lightsaber, which I know excites a lot of people. But the thing that most people were probably most thrilled about uh, was the thing that I also talked about up front, Saw Gerrera, voiced by Forrest Whitaker. They got Forrest Whitaker in an animated series and a game. That's the power of this brand. You know, they care so much 
about consistency across the board. You know, we did have a little bit of that controversy that came out, you know, when you had uh, Peter Serafinowicz, the original voice of Darth Maul, come out and say that he did record lines for Solo, but then, you know, was replaced with Sam Witwer, who voiced him in the animated series Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, I understand that that can be a little bit frustrating and that he was probably very hurt by that. And I totally feel for the guy, but I am personally a person that does support that consistency across mediums, across titles. So I am really excited that it's going to be Forged Whitaker voicing Saw. I'll be curious to see if that opens the door for more cameos. I would think, I would assume. Personally, I'm rooting for a Kanan cameo. I'm not sure if I said that in our special New Hope commentary episode from a few weeks back, but a Kanan cameo would just be phenomenal. It would make so much sense about the point where he is in his life uh, before Star Wars Rebels. Which again, if I can work in a Star Wars Rebels plug every episode, I will. And I will say, go watch it. It is some of the best Star Wars ever made, in my personal opinion. But I would stand by that opinion. And uh, you can at me about it. That'd be fine. I would love to hit you with emotional Star Wars Rebels gifs at any point. And yes, I say gif. I apologize for anybody listening. That does not. But moving over into the video game announcement that really excited me the most... That is Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. You guys, you guys, when I saw the images of the battle uh, of Feed, you know, with with the duel of the fates and Darth Maul with that ridiculously sinister cartoony Lego grin, which is fantastic. Uh, Kylo Ren building the Vader snowman in the forest on Starkiller Base. Just phenomenal stuff. The Lego games and the sense of humor that has permeated all Lego titles, be it, you know, Lego Indiana Jones, Lego Batman, and, and DC in general, uh, Lego Jurassic World, they they understand slapstick and they understand just that really fun, all-ages animated style that is still really clever. And I'm glad to see that here again in full force with updated graphics and all the coverage uh, revealing these updated mechanics. It's really exciting. I grew up playing the Lego Star Wars games. I grew up playing uh, Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga probably the most, which, you know, obviously, of course, gave you one through six, because at the time, that's all we had. And then they did do Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. I never got around to playing that one personally. I probably should have, but uh, they never made a Last Jedi, and so I just kind of figured that it petered out. You know, I thought that we were probably done with the Lego games, for the Star Wars brand, but now it's back in full force. I've read that there's going to be spaceship combat uh, on a, a really expansive uh, scale where we're going to be able to go between planets, fly from world to world. There's going to be core scenes from all nine films. Interestingly enough, though, I thought that maybe at some point we would get uh, some sort of reveal of... Rise of Skywalker scenes. Not that they would show anything new, but maybe recreate some shots from the Rise of Skywalker trailer in the Lego style. Apparently, they haven't even developed anything that's going to take place from Rise of Skywalker, which I makes sense why the game would take place, not take place, would release in 2020. They haven't even been shown it, or they haven't gotten to read it. I'm not sure what the actual business circumstances of that are, but how cool is that? You know, it's just the J.J. Abrams mystery box uh creeping its way into video games and saying no 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 you will wait you will wait like everybody else it wouldn't be jj if he didn't make you wait i think that we're probably uh going off on the jj uh, tangent for a second here 
I think we're at the end of the J.J. Abrams era of Star Wars, of him influencing the brand. Gotta say, I'll miss the guy. I'll miss him. I like you, J.J. I like I liked the mystery box. It can be frustrating sometimes because things come out like Vanity Fair photos, and then you have to hear, what does it mean? What on earth does this photo mean? Even though it was probably just staged for the magazine, and you will tell us nothing. But I respect it. I respect it a lot. But... Overall, when it comes to Star Wars and marketing, I honestly think that I prefer the approach of another man. A man that is heavily involved in the last big story here that I wanted to cover, and that is John Favreau. John Favreau, director of Iron Man's 1 and 2, director of Elf, the guy that has revolutionized uh, these photorealistic animated pictures with Lion King just around the corner. He is uh, show-running, along with Dave Filoni, The Mandalorian, which will be the first ever live-action Star Wars series coming later this year, I believe November 12th, to Disney+, Plus, Disney's streaming service, that will further cement their world domination. They already have my uh, $6.99. Just, just take it. Just take it right now, Fabs. I'm telling you. But The Mandalorian will feature a host of new characters, one of which is a character that I think I've already fallen in love with, and I'll tell you why. Cara Dune has already hooked me emotionally. And it's not because I know anything about Cara Dune. Cara Dune is a rebel shock trooper, that much we know. Cara Dune is going to be a badass. We know that too. But aside from that, all we've really known is that Cara Dune is going to be played by Gina Carano. Gina Carano hasn't had that role that has made people say, oh yeah, Oh, oh, Gina Carano in, in this? Oh, so good. You know, I don't think she's even had a lot of roles in general. I only remember her from a couple things. Uh, I didn't see the things, but I remember her name being around, and I remember people on the internet would often, you know, do Wonder Woman photoshops with her and say, oh, she'd be good as this character, she'd be good as this character, but never really got that geek thing that everybody really latched onto until maybe Deadpool. You know, she was uh, Angel Dust, I believe was the name of her character in Deadpool. She was in that, had a really good fight scene at the end with Colossus, but never had that meaty thing to sink into until now. So go back to Chicago in April for a little bit uh, when John Favreau, Kathleen Kennedy, and Dave Filoni took to the stage. Then Kathleen leaves the guys out there, and they bring out Pedro Pascal, Gina Carano, and Carl Weathers. Gina Carano looked so joyous and so happy to be playing the character of Cara Dune that in a similar way to John Boyega, immediately uh, you know, gaining our emotional investment in Finn and Oscar Isaac gaining it in Poe or the way that Mark Hamill has carried the legacy of Star Wars with his joy for the brand for all these years. Gina Carano just, just felt like that she loved it so much that how could we not already love the character? We got that one image of her you know, sitting, leaning, kind of like a, like a Western-style uh, scene, which this will obviously take a lot of inspiration from Westerns, but... Man, immediately intrigued in the character of Cara Dune, you know, an ex-rebel five years after Return of the Jedi, in that 30-year gap where we don't really know a lot about what happened, it seems like it'll be a story of how does this galaxy carry on? How do people function post-war? What are the rebels that did not get glory, that did not get medals, that were not connected to the mysticism of Star Wars? What do they do? And that's a lot. That's a lot to handle. It's a lot to take on, 
And there were doubters. There were definitely doubters, which Gina Carano did address uh, when speaking to Entertainment Tonight, ET Online. In an interview, she, you know, she talked about how, how bad of a place Twitter could be, but how she chooses to hold on to positivity. And there's a quote here about uh, John Favreau coaching her before a major scene that I want to read here. Uh, so just uh, take a listen to this for a second. Gina Carano said, he looked at me, referring to Favs. He looked at me before my big scene, one of my biggest introductory scenes in Mandalorian, and he was like, we're going to change your trajectory right now, she recalled. I think he's a very honest man, and he's seen the struggle. He's seen what happens to careers, and he's like, we're going to change your path right now. He's like, from here on out, you're going to choose jobs that are complimenting you, and you're going to choose jobs that challenge you, and you're going to believe in yourself from this scene forward. I got chills reading that, guys. I got absolute chills reading that uh, in this piece. I, I read it over on Star Wars Newsnet, home of the Resistance broadcast. Amazing uh, voices in the fandom. So I was glad that they highlighted that quote specifically and, and drew attention to, to Gina and the story. That's what it's all about. Believing in yourself, challenging yourself, finding the things and people that can motivate you and raise you up. I mean, that's an Obi-Wan moment right there. I already am a fan of Gina in the show and a fan of Cara Dune because I already feel the passion radiating through this project. Star Wars is the one thing, and I'm very upfront about this in life and in, in podcasts and in, in work, that it's the one thing that I can never be 100% uh, critical of in the most uh, raw way because I have so much emotion invested into it. So when I see the people involved in it meeting that emotion... It's hard to not immediately fall in love with them, for, to not want them to succeed. Uh, she goes on to talk about what it was like to do that major scene and what it was like to receive energy from the fans. And it's just inspiring, and it's just good to know that this story already has so much joy brought into it. I mean, we saw the way that Carl Weathers interacted with the crowd at Star Wars Celebration, and we saw the way that Pedro Pascal told the story about how he was cast— uh, he looked like he was going to cry and just dropped his head onto the table. Like, this is a big deal. This is new ground. And so I want people moving into this new realm uh, that have the right attitude, that have uh, the passion, that want to bring their creative spin to it, and that really understand uh, the weight of the franchise. Um, not to be, like, too precious about it. I mean, because you can have your Werner Herzogs, who will also be in The Mandalorian, who come in and don't really uh, know anything about Star Wars. I've never seen it. That's fine, too. That's absolutely fine, too. But there's just that special extra something when you get your John Boyegas and your Mark Hamills and now your Gina Caranos who really understand uh, what has been bestowed on them with these roles. So now when I'm watching Cara Dune later on in The Mandalorian, I'm already going to feel like I want her to succeed. I don't know if she will have a villainous turn in the show. I don't know if she'll be somewhere in the middle. I don't know what her relationship will be like with the still unnamed Mandalorian, who I would actually be okay with never being named, but that's a conversation for another time. I think that this is the type of stuff that you want to hear leading into a project. We're super close already. You know, we're halfway through the year. We're going to get that show in November. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what happens with Cara Dune. I'm hoping that maybe Marvel will publish uh, some one-shots or some miniseries for the new characters. Maybe we'll get a novel about Kara at some point. I mean, I'm, I'm almost positive that we'll get a novel about Kara 
at some point, but it's just really exciting. You know, it's really exciting to be in an era where young Star Wars uh, fans will have these women to look up to in the brand that represent different uh, walks of life, uh, different attitudes, different allegiances that we have villains, we have heroes, but we also have some people in between. You know, we've got your your Maz Kanadas that are really charming, but hang out maybe in some uh, some seedy circles. And now you're going to have your Gina Carano uh, Cara Dunes that might, you know, maybe shoot first, ask questions later. Based on the footage that was shown at Celebration, I have no doubt that we're going to get some epic scenes with her uh, that will be challenging, as John Favreau said here. And let's just talk about him for a second. Uh, what a guy. Like, just just imagining him doing that coaching, uh, it makes perfect sense that he's the guy that has always pushed things forward in blockbuster filmmaking, uh, in cinema as a whole. He's brought people in for, for premises that, that should never have worked, like Elf, and he, he made Iron Man work. Uh, this is the type of guy that I want in Star Wars, the type of guy that I think can carry it forward in a positive way. I'm hoping that he's involved with Mandalorian going forward. I think that John Favreau and Dave Filoni are a dream team, and I have no doubt that it's John Favreau and Dave Filoni that can find a cast for these characters that really soars, that really shines. You know, looking at the voice talent that Dave has chosen in the past for Clone Wars and Rebels and Resistance, those casts feel like a family. They come off uh, extremely. Uh, well thought out they, they they're fleshed out picks that make sense for the stories being told and while Gina Carano definitely had doubters online and had people saying oh well she was a, a fighter not really an actress I don't think that that's going to matter by the end you know th- these people can surprise you and so many Star Wars actors have been straight up unknowns I think that this is the part that's really going to make her a fan favorite uh, so I'm marking it right here Right now, this show is a Cara Dune fan show. We like BD-1, we like Grease, and we like Cara Dune. Slowly, I'm going to start compiling a list together of the characters that this show supports uh, while I'm waiting for The Mandalorian, while I'm waiting for The Rise of Skywalker. It's a really good time. It's a really exciting time. You know, just the other day, uh, I was looking at a list of projects and books and, and TV that we're getting this year, and my God, we are spoiled right now. We are absolutely spoiled right now to have people like Gina Carano and characters like Cara Dune coming at us with such passion and with such joy, such unadulterated joy behind them. And we are lucky uh, to have new leaders in positions of power uh, in our studio that we love, Lucasfilm, like Michelle Rejwan, guiding things forward into the next generation because the only way things can last I'm really excited about everything. That's why, you know, not to get too into this because I think it's kind of dumb, to be quite honest. Uh, That's why when I see people complaining, well, they're not going to let us dismember people in Jedi Fallen Order. I just kind of look at it and kind of roll my eyes because if that's what you're going to latch onto, then we just approach this in different ways and fundamentally different ways, which is fine, which is fine. I'm not a hardcore gamer. Maybe that's something that people want to see. From a technical standpoint, maybe that will sort of break their immersion in the game, but I'm looking forward to the stories. I'm looking forward to falling in love with some more characters because come December, we're going to say goodbye 
to the characters of Ray, Finn, and Poe, and Kylo Ren, and BB-8, which will break my heart and possibly even Chewbacca. Saying goodbye to Chewie. I mean, come on. I hope they find a way around it. Maybe there'll be a Disney Plus show about Poe or Finn or Chewbacca afterward. Maybe they'll live on in novels, but we need people and real life and characters inside of the show to carry things forward. So that's why, you know, when I read this Gina Carano quote, it hit me so hard. You know, you go back to New Hope and you think about Obi-Wan telling Luke, these are your first steps. You know, it's all about that 11, 12-year-old kid moving into a larger world like uh, George Lucas always talked about. But sometimes it's the kid inside of you. Sometimes it's a grown woman like Gina Carano feeling that joy and feeling that pressure, uh, but also feeling like she's seizing a major opportunity to win our hearts and to create a character that we can all get behind and eventually buy a six-inch six uh, Black Series figure of and some Funko Pops and some T-shirts, which, of course, is part of the fabric of Star Wars. Gotta move that merchandise and get that cash. So anyway, that about does it for me today. Uh, a couple things. Uh, Octo Radio is now available on iHeartRadio. So if you would like, you can go over to the iHeartRadio app and check out the show. Another platform to hopefully reach some more ears that love and appreciate Star Wars as much as I do, as much as we all do as a fandom. You can also check out the show, of course, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review. Leave a positive review. Leave a little comment. It doesn't take more than two seconds, of course. Don't feel pressured like you have to, but it does go a long way into supporting the show and to making sure that more people find out about it uh, and to hopefully getting guests on. I'm going to have Low back from episode three to talk about Galaxy's Edge. By the time our schedules do coordinate, she will probably have gone to the park for a third time because she does live out in California, and I am eternally jealous, so we'll be getting into that. I've got a really special interview that I'm super excited about that I'm not going to announce just yet. I'll probably announce it on social media uh, with a, a wonderful voice in the Star Wars community coming up. So, of course, you could follow the show at Octo Radio on Twitter and Instagram. You can head over to the Octo Radio Facebook page, and you can follow me personally at AD underscore Strider on Twitter or at A period D period Strider. That's Strider like Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. If you are curious and you can follow me on uh, both those platforms, I would love to talk Star Wars with you or talk about any number of geek and life things. Uh, I always encourage diff responses. I love polls. Uh, maybe I'll start doing more polls on the Octo Radio Twitter account, start getting some more Star Wars opinions out there, and get more involved on social. So in the meantime, I appreciate you listening. Uh, stay tuned for episode, what will it be, 9? Episode 9? Our episode 9. Not as exciting, of course, as the real episode 9, but hey, we try our best. So thanks for listening, and as always, punch it, Chewie.